Hey guys, JP here. I'm excited to introduce a small project I've been lucky to be a part of with uh, some of the coolest musicians and friends I could ask for. Uh, we've adopted the name The 8-Bit Boys, and we're just a small chamber group of both classical and jazz musicians, all connected by our appreciation for video games and video game music of all types. So just to support my group, uh, and by extension the Actually Nothing cast, head on over to Facebook and uh, just throw us a like if you could. We'll include a link in the episode description. Thanks for your support, and uh, we'll see you next time. Okay, son. Hello. Hello. And welcome to episode 12. 12, that's right. Of the Actually Nothing podcast. I literally lost count just now. I'm Aaron. That's JP. <laughs> I realize that we still haven't done any introductions, but <laughs> I don't think we really need it. I like the way that you started us off with like a sort of a with pseudo... With a Scottish accent. It sounds like a um, St. Patrick's Day sort of thing. Thank you. <laughs> well, the difference between a Scottish accent and an Irish accent is... What is it? The the Irish accent is more like... It's a little bit higher <laughs> pitch, you know? Okay. Okay. So wait. Scottish accents, and Scottish. you can just sound kind of pissed off a whole bunch. <laughs> Get out of me swamp! So, so are you saying that like Irish people sound like that stereotypical leprechaun? Yeah. Okay. So so like... Do you want to drink a Guinness? That's pretty versus, good, actually. You can take away my clothes, but you'll never take away my freedom. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Wow, you you must have worked on that for I have. a little bit. Doing the Scottish accents, one of my favorite favorite accents. To I do. feel like so. I was watching this video about how to make a Cockney accent. Yeah, I, I think you would really like it. I'll there's look like, it up. There's a few things they do. Yeah, we, we can link it. It's very this. specific though. But when I do the accents, sometimes I can get stuck in them. Really? Because then I just feel like I want to do them the whole time. There was a dude at the uh, School of Music. When I so when I first met him, I met him at a bookstore, yeah. and uh, he spoke to me with a British accent, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's from Britain! Like, it's pretty cool." And then I met him again, and he spoke to me with a different accent, <laughs> and I was like, "The fuck!" Like, that's the same you concept that, that I do. That's the exact same concept that I had where I want to. It's probably an unethical human experiment, but <laughs> I want parents to raise their kids with a different accent, and then when they hit like twelve or thirteen or just something, switch it off. Just switch it up and be like. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why you don't have your degree in psychology, so nobody gives you money for well, that. Right? Wouldn't that be weird if your kids, like, as a child, you heard your parents speak in a British accent all their life, and then, well, I hit 13 years See, old today, and now suddenly my parents are American. It's going to be on r slash advice at some point. Yeah. Reddit comment. So if somebody listening ever can have the means to do that, Try it out and tell me. If anyone is ever happens. so cruel and <laughs> and to protect ourselves with liability, we would say, no, we don't, we're not telling you to do this. Yeah, but we're just saying it'd be really interesting for the world if you want and to us, do this experiment. Primarily Aaron yeah. and me, that this would be really cool. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a step beyond going to a new school yeah. and, and putting on a new accent every time you go to a new school. It's even easier if you're bilingual and you speak to your child in one language all of their childhood and then suddenly switch you up. switch, yeah. man, that'd be really bad. Use like Jamaican English and then speak in and then like Abonics. Like, as when it's like Appalachian English, <laughs> yeah. like really bad Southern. Yeah. Anyways. I always wanted to look up like the difference between the Southern draws. Like there's certain, like the Alabama draw and the Texas Miami. draw are totally different, Versus right? Texas? Yeah, that's right. Like there's, there's a very subtle difference to it, but it's totally there. Yeah. I, I, I'm more partial towards the Bama draw myself. Bama? Yeah. Roll Tide? Roll Tide. War Eagle. <laughs> I don't really know what the Texas accent is. 
I, I think you did it pretty well just now. But that's all I can say. Oh, Texas. Texas. Is it Sandy Cheeks? Is yeah, she's yeah, from Texas, right? I'm guessing Sandy. I mean, I as, wanna go home. Oh, 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 yeah. If you go to Texas, they all sound like that. Yeah. They all have a really bad falsetto control, <laughs> and so it just goes up yeah. without without knowing. Uh huh. Anyways, <laughs> there's our thing. Anyways. <laughs> that oh what a good subgate segue by me did it's you say subgate subgate i sang a song and that's the topic oh, that we decided to pick today i feel like if there's been one thread connecting all of our episodes <laughs> together it's bad segues into the actual hey, topic man, of conversation. i worked really hard on those <laughs> i if we had sponsors my segue game would be on point but we don't that's right yet not yet we did have a, that <laughs> fake one the other time yeah <laughs> It's okay. We'll get somebody to sponsor us one day. Yeah, maybe. we'll have to pick our fake or our force fake somebody at gunpoint and be like, "Hey, I was gonna say if we just keep fake sponsoring things, maybe someone will pick up on it and they'll just be like, sweet." Yeah, like, you think that somebody listening will be like, "Hey, these guys are pretty funny and they try to use your your work." You know, on the on, the on the off chance that like you know like something like Ziploc is listening to us, and then you know, if we were to get sponsored, who do you want to get sponsored by? Uh, I. <sighs> Do who I want to be sponsored by? I want totally like IWC. It's okay. Well, that but I was I thinking. Mean, you said you said who do I want oh, okay, to be sponsored okay, yeah, yeah, by? Okay, you. like okay. Are we talking ideally Ziploc? What's Ziploc? Like like <laughs> the Ziploc bags? Yeah, Ziploc bags. Why? You just want a bunch of plastic. It'd be bags. it'd be easy to do it. You talk about like how good the product is. But, you all know, the time. I mean, sponsors they give you free stuff all the time. So wouldn't you want? Who doesn't say you more want Ziploc free bags? Ziploc bags? I mean, do you not want free Ziploc I don't, bags? I can. I don't have enough food that I need to use Ziploc bags. I for. mean, maybe you're just not preparing your food well enough. Maybe, or yeah, I need to carry more that. of my belongings in Ziploc bags. <laughs> And you need bigger Ziploc bags for your smaller Ziploc okay, bags. Okay, fine. If we convince, combine your Ziploc bag sponsorship with the sponsor that I want, okay. which is Portillo's Ooh. or any any big food chain. No, let's stick with Portillo's. Because then if they, if they were like, yeah, here's free food for a lifetime. I know McDonald's gives like a golden card to celebrities or something. Really? And it's like you get free food for the rest of your life. Although Ooh. they give that card from what I've heard to people who are rich enough where they really don't need it anyways. I mean, do we like, really I, even need it? I only, well, the dollar menu doesn't exist anymore, so yeah. I only ever eat it when I want to get, like, fries or a, or a shamrock shake. Dude, if I had unlimited access to McDonald's at no cost, absolutely, I would eat there every day. Really? Yeah. Because you're saving a <laughs> Wait, whole bunch of money. I mean... And supersize me was a lie because he... Not, well, it was a total lie. But that's just if you just gorge yourself on seems the like garbage you, food all the time. You seems can, like you're, you uh, you're big it. fast food, Aaron. You're kind of like a shill right now for big fast maybe, food. Maybe maybe I'm trying to earn the favor <laughs> of all these other fast food companies because they're delicious. You, we, would, we would need Peter right here to talk about this. But he, he did a thing. TBK? No, no. So he did a thing where like... He had the app for McDonald's, and they just kept reusing the promo codes. <laughs> and he, I think there was like a period of two weeks where he got a chicken sandwich every day, and they never like took it off. Well, that's him. on them. If they yeah, don't because the app was like it. in its beta phase or something like that, or really young, and so they didn't like take it off when you used <laughs> it. And so it just they would get frequent. They frequently get like a chicken sandwich or something like that. Well, you know what's what else uses frequencies? Great music. Yes, you like that segue? That was pretty good. Thank I you. mean, technically, like. Yeah, I would say it uses frequencies. Mm. I mean, we can get pedantic about that it if you sound. want, but yeah, I guess so. You know, if you turn your metronome up, all, you turn your metro. Oh boy! Oh boy! If you turn your metronome up as fast as it can go, it'll, it'll end up being a sound. Yeah, well, wow! <laughs> yeah, didn't know that. 
Music fact. That's what I oh went to boy. school for. Yes, the topic for today is indeed music. Mm-hmm. If you if I haven't made that obvious enough, no, they probably couldn't tell by all of our rambling, pointless rambling. You should make another like awkward segue into it. I already never out of segues, dude. You know what doesn't use segues? Mm. Music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Let's go to the first point then. What are you listening to right now, JP? The classic question. Yeah, the question, the very same question that we said. Uh, you use when you try to introduce yourself to somebody, right? Yeah, like, what yeah. are you listening to primarily just in because, terms of music? Yeah, because yes. then it's not like, do you like music? Because mm-hmm. who doesn't? I mean, there are people who don't like music, yeah, but like, weird. This is much more of a probing question. Yeah. It gets people thinking. Yeah, so I'm probing, I'm probing you right now. <laughs> okay, it sounds what, what are sounds you, let's, interesting. Let's pretend that I don't know you and I'm probing you, right? Okay, okay, probe me. <laughs> so, what are you listening to right now? Oh, hi, nice to meet you. Hi. Um, what am I listening to right now? Um, anything, what I've been listening to most recently, I've been listening to a lot of harp music, actually hard harp. Oh, harp. Yeah. Uh, I, my, uh, my roommate was, uh, he turned me on to these, uh, this albums by this woman who plays the harp. Her name is Valerie Milo. She plays all of these like harp pieces, like anywhere from like new music, like 21st, 20th century classical music by all these crazy composers to like. You know, maybe even Claire de Lune or all of like Sweet Bergamasque by Debussy or even like some old Baroque music. So I've been listening to that lately. I've also been listening to um, Russian avant-garde music from the Soviet era. So it's in tangent to your paper that you've been writing? I mean, kind of. I just sort of found this and it's all of these uh, composers that I don't know about from the Soviet era. <laughs> and, and I mean, for all those listening at home, the... Um, the Soviet era for music, uh, classical music in particular, was really, or actually, no, all arts in particular in the Soviet like era was interesting, especially in the 40s for music, because they really wanted music to be part of their national rhetoric. And if you didn't make music that was in line with what they thought was like good for representing the state, then they censored you. Like you got blacklisted everywhere, or or like even worse, you'd get sent to Siberia in a work camp. So like just because they didn't like your music. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Like one of my favorite composers, um Prokofiev, his like estranged ex-wife got sent to a Siberian work camp because of something like that. Jeez. Yeah, and so like it was a really serious time for artists and filmmakers and music and everything. And so like it's kind of interesting listening to uh, Soviet Soviet avant-garde writers because they're in that realm where they're like, "Oh, we can't be too out and we can't be as like innovative as possible." But, you know, we, we definitely want to try these new things out. And so I've been listening to, to like, a bunch of Soviet music, um, and that's been pretty cool as well. Doesn't that mean that a lot of their stuff will sound the same if their creativity was being stifled? Yeah, in, in certain ways, but also, like, you know, the creativity of man is kind of, like, endless, right? They You can make as many things that are formalist or whatever, like, Soviet nationalist is, mm-hmm. but then there's, you know, lots of types of ways of, like, subverting that and getting through it and making music that's super cool and innovative without, you know, getting censored. Yeah. And is it, the Tetris theme song a Russian song? The, the Tetris theme song is, a, it's like a Russian folk tune, yeah. I think. Yeah. And that's, that's another part of like, another part of my studies that I've been listening to a lot of is, uh, is Russian folk music and doing mm-hmm. a lot of study on that. But that's like a, that, that'll send us down a really deep rabbit hole and we can talk about that sometime else. Anything else that you're listening to then? Um, on the on the flip side of that, I just I was just introduced to um, I think to Earl Sweatshirt's album called Doris. Mm. Um, I don't know who that is. Earl Sweatshirt's a rapper. He's he's really cool. He the first time I heard him, he was featured on um Danny Brown's album 
ex, what is it? Atrocity Exhibition. And that's that's a great album for anyone who hasn't listened to this. And I listen to um, Doris all the way, like, you know, when I'm driving. And it, it's pretty good. I like it a lot. Yeah. So so that's what I'm listening to in the in the rap sort of style. I've been listening to a lot of... Um, you know, metal more often recently. It's yeah. been it's been something that I listen to every once in a while now, just because like it gets a little oppressive if you listen to it every day. Yeah. But um so Periphery, the band that I followed since like two thousand twelve or so, two thousand eleven, they're coming out with a new album uh, April fifth. And so I've just been like prepping for that by listening to a lot of their music, uh listening to what they've released so far and like trying to, you know, get in the mood for it. And so, and so that's been on my mind lately as well. It brings back lots of nostalgia because like something that I was listening to when I was in high school, mm-hmm. something that was like feeding my teen angst <laughs> for a long time. Is it very, are they very angsty? Um, I mean, I think metal can be pretty angsty in general just because it's got, you know, it's got screaming, right? Yeah. It's got a lot of screaming. It's got a lot of really heavy, intense music. And so like, it uh, it plays into that pretty easily. And that's not to say that all metal music is like angsty, but uh, some like a lot of the music they've made up until now kind of has these like ambiguous overtones. Like it's got all of these expressive, descripting words that can be fit into like almost anything sometimes. Mm-hmm. And 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 they've got a they've got a few other projects with in in terms of like how they've structured their albums. Like they did a whole dual album that was a, a big narrative that was really cool, Ooh, like a story. Yeah, yeah. I like do. I like albums that do that. Yeah, and so that was a, they were working working with this concept album for a while, maybe like six or seven years, and they they released it as a dual album, and and it's really cool. The first album is really light on like a more uh, electronic side, and the second album is like super heavy, mm-hmm. and it, it they're they're called the uh, it's called Juggernaut, and the first album is Alpha, and the second one's Omega. Juggernaut is such a metal sounding right? word. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> like the, the metalist like album yeah. name you could probably come up with, short of something like really heavy. Are there yeah. any metal artists out there or metal bands that have the metal sound, but their lyrics are totally like? uplifting or anything like that oh dude yeah plenty there's really? plenty of there's plenty of songs that are like that um the first that comes like, to mind your parents love you no you did really well in dude, school so <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> i mean like there's seriously some songs that are like that um nice the first band that comes to mind is august burns red they're like primarily a christian metal band oh and so they have like they're, they don't they don't get preachy with their Christianity, but they definitely have like a positive message. Yeah, some more positive like undertones to their music. The other one that's really obvious is Veil of Maya's got a song called um, Unbreakable, and it's it's like a really uplifting song. And it, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that it is from just listening to the music, but it definitely has a more uplifting like lyrical set to it. Like I think some of the words are like. It's like it's trying to show you that you're unbreakable and that your merit will show will show everyone wrong when they think you can't do it. Oh, wow. it yeah, it's it's like pretty Jeez, positive. Yeah, so empowering. Yeah, right. I, that's when I learned about that. I was like, oh wow, look at that! Like, it's so nice. Somebody should write a children's metal. rhyme, but with metal. <laughs> yeah, a mother, nursery rhyme, a mother metal. goose, yeah. but uh, bah, metal bah, metal bah, goose. Yeah, something like yeah, metal goose. Oh, to add on to that, they did another album too. That was, it's called Matriarch, and it's all it, all the songs are inspired by uh, women figures in like cultural arts or like TV shows and and books that have inspired them. And so they've got uh, they've got one dedicated to uh, Mikasa from Attack on Titan. Oh, Attack on Titan! Nice. Yeah, they've got one dedicated to uh, Daenerys. 
Targaryen. Uh huh. Wow, I thought you were gonna say like historical women figures, not just like in no, these out are, of anywhere. The, I think That's these are awesome. Though. I think these are explicitly like um, pop culture references. Nice. I think the other one. Did you watch the Fifth Element? Yes. They have one called Lilu. Nice. Yeah, and so and so they did a whole album based on these like women figures, uh, and it's called Matriarch. It's really it's a that good album. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, flip the question. What are you into right now? Uh, I before I said that I was into future funk. I still am very much into future funk. If anybody didn't listen to that last episode, basically it's just they're taking old seventies and eighties Japanese funk music, and then you put like an electronic beat over it, kind of the same vein as electro swing, where it's half sampling, half new producing. Uh, I don't know. I just really like upbeat music like that. Any specific artists from that? Uh, Moe Shop is one of the Can artists. you spell that for us? M-O-E, like the name Mo and yeah. Shop, S-H-O-P. Mm. Really great artists. I think it's a good starting point. Android 52 is a really good artist in that genre too. Uh, or I think Macross 99, Macross something. I don't know. Mm. But there, there are whole channels dedicated to that. So if you just look at Future Funk, there'll be a whole bunch of stuff that comes up. And I mean, in, in general, you've really been into the funk sort of style, yeah. even before Future Funk. Funk and group. Well, I mean, Jamiroquai. Well, we'll go back into that later, but yeah, Jamiroquai yeah. is my bread and butter for that. So I don't think there are any specific artists that I'm listening to because I'm not the type of person who listens to the same artists over and over again. Hmm. I just like to change it up a little bit. It's more for me, I'll fall into genres. Um, so couple months ago electro swing was the big genre for me which it comes back every now and then but i feel like i've kind of exhausted what's been out there for now yeah and i mean electro swing is like it's not an it's not a new genre it's been a while it's been yeah. around for maybe like uh five six years now right mm. but i think they come out with music every once in a while and so like it's cool to keep fresh with it yeah yeah that's the other thing is like i if i get if i exhaust one genre i kind of give it some time before mm. artists start piling up new songs and i'll go back and check it again um but Rap and hip hop always. I'm always looking for new artists. I mean, that's probably the most oversaturated yeah. genre, especially nowadays. And finding somebody who hasn't either done something that other people have done before, where you know lyrics are just sex, money, drugs, mm. and if if I don't get caught by lyrics, it requires the music behind it to catch me. Mm. And like otherwise, I'm just like it all sounds the same. But pretty much, pretty much that. Otherwise. I think there's some cool like concepts behind how we perceive rap and hip hop nowadays. I think like the rhetoric that it falls onto only into like sex, money, drugs. It really becomes a popularized concept just because you know th those are like things that are pushed on us to like indicate success a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think there are definitely artists out there who like go beyond that. But I think for many, it's because that sort of version of success is so like you know, it's what we expect and what we're fed. It sort of plays into everything. Yeah. Sorry. It was a weird tangent, but just like, that's fine. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point though. Cause like I said that I, the only time I really get encapsulated by rap artists is if they do something different with it. Yeah. Like, um, little Dickie, for example, like yeah. he, he breaks the norm from, I mean, he still does sex, money, drugs, but he does it in a comedic way where mm -hmm. a lot of his songs aren't the typical, look at me, I'm cool. He he makes like a narrative story with it and sure. his lyrics are pretty funny. Same thing with uh, Watsky, wonderful Watsky. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm into oh, him man. because not only are they lyrically good and their music is good, but like it, it breaks the, the norm of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, everyone talks about like the, the main rappers, like, you know, J Cole, Kendrick, Drake, um, Drake you know, yeah. I think one part about them that really stands out most of the time is just 
their production style and yeah. how well they produce their albums and how well they can come out and make music that is just so polished and so clean yeah. that, you know, I don't know, there's something special about it. I mean, certainly those guys are talented on their own, but they're also backed up by the other biggest names in the industry. Absolutely. Like, like Dre and Jay-Z and all those other people. So Yeah, but I think that also like, helps to produce music like that that's super special outside of a lyrical concept yeah. as well. And that's not saying that their lyrical concepts aren't cool. They definitely have good lyrical concepts and a, a sort of poetry to how they handle their lyrics. But I think when the music also backs up their lyrics and isn't just there, as like filler because you hear that in a lot of music where the mu it just sounds like filler a lot of the time like the it's just a super generic beat right yeah like I, a lot of times i'm like i could have made this and yeah loops or something if i wanted to honestly like there's a lot of songs like that even like outside of that genre like in the popular genre now with uh, yeah. lots of electronic music you know you find similar tropes all over the place where they most songs nowadays will have like a very similar figure that keeps it going. They'll have specific sections to the song that keep it going as well. And so it's always nice to uh, to hear for one, at least at least for me, music that's acoustically driven, you know, made by instruments like that they have to play to mm -hmm. get through it. And then also music that's not like falling into the sort of formulaic pattern that pop music tends to fall into. Yeah. Well, that's why I hate listening to the radio sometimes because it's so yeah. boring it's the same thing over and over again but you know what's cool about that is i i really believe that how we've and especially you have moved into like funk music it's kind of like because funk music finds a lot of its inspirations from jazz right mm. and those inspirations are like pretty complex and there's lots of different strands of jazz that have moved all over the place and so really i think funk as a whole genre is like a totally different type of music. It's got different underpinnings and different sort of stylistic preferences, yeah. right? And I mean, as popularized uh, as a genre as funk can be right now, I think it's definitely one of those things that I like more than pop music in general, just because like it's got that sort of fun vibe and that fun comfortability that everyone likes, while also like having the potential for being a little bit more complex in different ways yeah. and having the potential for artistry, like outside of just a production agency, yeah. you know, you can go into that little bit of crossover where it does get mainstream popular, like Bruno Mars, like he's totally, he's probably the one artist that I can think of nowadays. That's a, like a triple A artist, but he also has that bit of funk and people sort of be like, Oh, I wonder if there's other music that are similar, that's similar to this. And then you can go down the rabbit hole and find more underground artists. And then the other thing that I like about funk is while a lot of people predominantly think of like American funk, you know, like seventies, eighties, like there are totally other countries that have taken that too. Like there's Brazilian funk, which mm -hmm. is really awesome. I'm still kind of delving into that. See, I've never and, heard uh, of that. Yeah. And Japanese funk, like Japanese funk, super, super good. And like yeah. future funk, like I just said, but I've, I've been going back to some of their older stuff and like, that's all of it's super cool. So yeah. And I mean, like, especially in some of those areas where jazz is disseminated, especially Japan and Europe, where jazz is super popular, like it's it's to no surprise that those brands of funk have like developed in similarly like complex ways and in different ways. Mm -hmm. Right. I just like music that I can dance to. And it's always upbeat. So, yeah, it's always a good time. Yeah. Funk music definitely has some sort of like funness to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and in the same vein that a lot of people just listen for the sake of like enjoyment and that can be whatever people want to listen to. Like, I think for me, definitely like funk music has that sort of enjoyment quality without being too 
I don't know. I don't want to say basic because like music is whatever for everyone. Yeah. But it definitely allows for those little things, those little intermusical things to happen in a, in a more subtle ways. Yeah. Right. Let's roll into the next question then. What are your uh, favorite bands or artists or composers? My favorites, huh? Yes. Your, your cream of the crop. Oh man. Um, so, you can have one, you can have three. If there's any specific, I have a ones. bunch of favorites that go like into multiple genres. I think like, with composers, in, in terms of classical music, it's really hard to like just label a few. The ones that I always go back to as being like perfectly my style, though, in terms of classical music, this is actually good. I, I had this question today. I, I was talking with a cellist friend of mine, and we were talking about what we like to listen to and what mm-hmm. are what what music embodies our personality the best. Nice for me, like my favorite composers would have to be um, Prokofiev, who's a uh, Soviet air composer. He lived from about late 1891 or so until 1953. And then the other one is Scriabin. And Scriabin's really cool. He, uh, the, dude, the dude is wild. I'll tell you about him in a second. But he lived around the same time period, but he died in like a little bit before, actually, like 1870 to 1915. Mm-hmm. But so they, they occupy different types of Russian music. And um, the thing about it is like the one, the first guy, Prokofiev, like, there's a lot of different things about him, but my favorite thing about him is that he, you know, he was writing in a time of, of like Soviet oppression, right? And so he was had to conform to specific norms, but he does a thing where he inserts like wrong notes into it every so often. And they're, they come off as being really jarring and really harsh to the ear. But if we think about like how that music was working in that time, he writes music that's really structural and based on like all the strong academic learning that you learn about in music, like certain types of forms, like sonata form or symphonies have specific forms. He uses all of them. And then he inserts these little incorrect notes everywhere. And because like, you know, because you're not, they're not what you're expecting, he's subverting your expectation. And so in the same way that like he's rebelling against like old classical norms, he's also rebelling against political norms because he's, he's like, doing the things that they want them that he, they want him to do but also like going against them in really subtle ways right yeah. and so i always, i've always liked that about him and his music is just the perfect mix for me of like structured and just super weird mm-hmm. and then scrabin especially has um his music has got like a, this weird mystical quality to it um important to note is that when he was like i don't know like maybe 15 or 20 years after he was born he like kind of went wild he went crazy he like he wrote this poem where he thought like he thought he was like God and he thought that he was the, no, seriously, man. Really? Like, yeah. He, this poem is about how he like, he looks at the star and then he jumps towards the star and then he consumes the star and he becomes it. it sounds like he's just on a bad acid trip. No, seriously. <laughs> I mean, you might think he was because like of all the stuff he did do the, like he, he wrote a piece and he vowed never to have it like recorded or played because he was afraid it was filled with the demons. Oh, and then, okay. and then he wrote a second piece to purge the demons from that music. Wow. Yeah. And, and even more like some of the last music he wrote was about the end of the world. Like he wrote a piece called Ver la Flamme, which means towards the flame. And it's just about like the death of all things and the, like the purging of humanity and fire. And then, and then the last piece he wrote was called the Mysterium. And he believed that he believed that if you played this music, which would last two weeks at the base of the Himalayas, you had a whole light show and you had scents and you had all of these like orchestra, two orchestras and two choirs that the world would kind of like collapse and all of humanity would be replaced by higher beings as he called them. 
Yeah. That's the most specific setup ever. No, seriously. (laughs) He dude was crazy. And like, it plays well into like the turn of the century, like Russian ideology where everyone got kind of mystical and Mm -hmm. everyone got kind of super spiritual, but in a mystical sort of way. He's extra out there. Yeah. He's really out. But so I I've liked his music because the, uh, the music definitely suggests like not like a, a, really otherworldly sort of property to it mm-hmm. and it's kind of like trying to search for this mysticism in music and that's like i don't know it's pretty cool to me interesting so that's like classically what i what i think is my favorites and what i always like to listen to regardless of anything mm-hmm. yeah and, anything in other genres then um i mean like in in other genres i don't know if i have favorites i have like relative local favorites that i like to listen to okay like I was saying before, like I listen to Periphery pretty much a mm. lot. Um, a lot of, you know, Veil of Maya is good as well. Um, yeah, those have been like my mainstays, like what I tend to gravitate towards all the time. Let's see, like in terms of older music, I really like Led Zeppelin. I okay. love the Beatles too. Classics. Like, yeah, yeah, classics are always good. Um, they never fail me. I like Rush a lot as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. Yeah, right. Rush yeah. is like Rush super, is super cool. Good. Um, what else? I don't know. Kendrick is always good. Kendrick is super, fr- like his music is always really fresh, especially like at right times. Like I oh, listen yeah. to that frequently and like go through an entire album. Um, if you haven't listened to the albums, like on record, you really got to do it. You know, like come over sometime to my, uh, to do you my have apartment. Them? Yeah, we've got it. We've, we have um, two of them on nice. record and we, we just like listen to them every once in a while. Sick. Yeah. What about you? Like what's your, uh, so, so if you could pick like favorites in like multiple genres, Things that you can always count on as being like good, mm. something you'll enjoy. What do you choose? That's pretty easy. Uh, well, favorite band of all time, as you know, and I said earlier, Jamiroquai. Yeah. Can uh, you describe Jamiroquai to us? Uh, it's Well, everyone, one of the things that people mistake a lot is that the guy who sings his name is not Jamiroquai. It's JK. Um, Jamiroquai is just the overall band with JK being the main singer. Um, where does, do you know where the word comes from? Jamiroquai? Yeah. I don't know the origins of it. I should probably look into that a little bit more, but they're they're funk, but also like orchestral, orchestral funk. I don't know. I guess that's how you would describe it. When you say orchestral, do you mean like they they incorporate an orchestral setting every once in a while? Yeah. Um, Because the band, it's not like a four, five person band. Like it's him and an entire huge sometimes orchestral really? band backing him up yeah damn I didn't if you've ever seen some videos of his live shows like it's a huge setup for that but well, that makes sense though because like a lot of his music seems really based in um that sort of like disco yeah you know oh, well disco is probably the other words that i would use yeah because i mean can't heat you hear the strings or virtual reality like all the strings are in the background that's true um but funny thing with him is that the first song that i heard from him or them can't heat was in my favorite movie, which I'm pretty sure is a large reason for why it's my favorite movie and favorite song. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite. For anyone who, who doesn't know or doesn't remember, uh, the song that Napoleon dances to at the end yeah. of the uh, the voting is the Can't Heat. That's my number one favorite song of all time. And Napoleon Dynamite is 
also my favorite movie of all time. So, so this is actually kind of funny because um, I took an entirely different inspiration from from Napoleon Dynamite as well. <laughs> um, the end of the movie, like when you know when the he's credits? dancing, you know when he's dancing, and he goes, "I like your sleeves." Yeah. Really oh, the big. slow dancing. Yeah. Song. So when they're yeah. dancing to that song, there, there's a song. Um, it's it's called uh, "The Promise" by When in Rome. Yeah. And I remember that song so vividly when I was when I first watched it that I like kept it for a long time <laughs> until I finally was able to figure out what it was. And and thus sparked my innate. That's your music. Weird, from yeah. That was the one that I picked up on the most. I don't know why. It must have been like, I mean, it, like it sort of sparked my weird uh, appreci- appreciation for like eighties music in yeah. particular. I mean, but, that's the setting of the movie too. So it was yeah, a really yeah. well picked song for that. I think so. it was like it was a great setting for that. Yeah. Anyways, what else you got? Um, in terms of electronic music i listen to like edm a lot yeah i know that some people will be like oh well he's mainstream now but zed even though he's gone on the radio now it's i started i don't want to sound like a i listened to him before he got popular do you say it though i i did i found him (laughs) on youtube um i listened i like i really like his older stuff before he started doing collaborations with other big time artists not that i don't like the stuff that's on the, the radio from him now but his his older stuff is definitely what I lean most towards. Um, on top of electronic, unless you want to be super specific, French house, Daft Punk is also like top three for me. Mm-hmm. Just because I couldn't name a single song of theirs that I didn't like. Even with Tom and Guy doing their solo careers, like they're still constantly putting out really good stuff, and they're still together, so they're still putting out other good things. Yeah, how old are those guys, man? They're pretty old. They've, yeah, because they've been around for a very long time. I remember looking back and just realizing that, oh, that's Daft Punk, and oh, this is like the early two thousands. Yeah, like they're they're here. Nineties. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, yeah. They're still there, but they're still killing. It. And all their live shows are super awesome. We should we should do that as a layer question, like what you would want to see in live as a band. Um, what do we do right now? Okay. What What would you want to see as a live thing? Daft Punk, for yeah. sure. Um, another band that I really want to see, which also is also one of my favorite uh, favorites for, I guess, alternative rock. Rock is uh, Rise Against. Oh, Rise yeah. Against. Oh, completely forgot about my that. My cousin band. went went to one of their live shows, Karen? and she said it was super, super good. Like they're all super Dang. awesome. Like. They'll always be like, "What? What do you guys want to hear?" And then they'll just play. It. That's so, awesome, dude. Yeah, That's I, super. I, cool. I've always—they're pretty old too. They've been around for a very long time. But Rise Against—I've always been a huge fan of them. So you're gonna judge me, and everyone who's listening to this is gonna judge me. But today I was in the car, and we were listening to The Killers, and I was just like, That's "Fine." I was the like, "Killers, some get them put dude, some." Good I was stuff just, out. I was just thinking about this, just like. Thinking about like listening to that to some of their songs like in a setting where everyone knows all the music yeah. like that'd be wild. Yeah. I think just the sheer amount of like people behind you knowing all the words and singing all this like I mean they 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 do a really good job of making like anthem songs so yeah. like songs that are like earworms and they get in your they get in your head. That's and you a just, good word to use. Yeah, earworm. like seriously, they, they get in there and they you, they get stuck in there for a long time until you listen to it. I would totally go to one of their shows. Have I think it'd heard, be super cool. Have you heard their re- most recent album? No. Oh, I, well, I the man, up. the one song that I like really from that album was The Man. So you can I'll check it out. that one out later. Everyone check out The Man. Mm-hmm. We can talk about it. So are we doing like living artists? Because there's like plenty of mm-hmm. artists who I'd want to see like from a long time ago. Like if the option were available, I would have loved to see. Yeah, um, fine. Let's do, let's do any artist, anybody that you would like to see live. Okay. Like got to say Beatles live. Okay. Beatles yeah. live would have been something crazy. Michael Jackson live. Oh, for also sure. Also would have been like something he's, insane. Not only was he a great musician, but like 
He was a showman, yeah. First and foremost, like he's I, a performer. There was um, there was a video that came that I saw recently. It was um, Michael Jackson's Super Bowl. Yeah, um, I watched that halftime show. Okay, where he just stood there okay, for like yeah. three minutes. So the coolest <laughs> part about that is that they they open up. I think they they start off with like Billie Jean, mm. and it's like a cut Billie Jean where he's he's like he opens up and he's like does a move on like one end of the stadium, and then another part of it happens and he doesn't move on the other side of the stadium. And then everyone looks in the center and he's, he does it again, except it's him that time in the middle. And then what what ensues after that is like three or five minutes of just him looking. Yeah. He just stares. And it's, and that's just people like... People are going wild. Yeah, it's people crazy. are going fucking crazy. And he's just standing there and like standing completely still, having this like power stance. <laughs> I mean, like, imagine the balls you got to have as like a performer to yeah. just like be on one of the biggest stages of like for musicians like and especially pop musicians and just have the audacity to stand there and look at everyone yeah and right? have to have it work too yeah like, dude like that's when you know like you have the world in your hands yeah and i mean i just remember watching that and then watching all the thing that, the things that came after that and and it's just kind of like this is how it should have happened yeah. like this is peak super bowl performance right and and i mean especially when it's fresh that the adam levine Travis Scott, one. Travis Scott, <laughs> sicko mode, not victory. Like, yeah, what a what a scam. Yeah, I, I think when that's fresh in everyone's minds, like seeing Michael Jackson just do that to everyone, oh, like yeah. it makes you sort of wistful for that time. Yeah, so you can see that. I'd say the same thing about Prince, man. I'd love oh, to yeah. see. I'd love to see Prince live. I've read a lot of anecdotal stories of other artists saying that Prince was a prodigy. Like he was. I think that, so, dude. That, I think. I don't remember if I'm misremembering this, but I think I saw a comment once on Reddit. Of course, Reddit comment of the week. Reddit comment. That, um, I think somebody asked Jimi Hendrix or something in an yeah. interview that was like, what's it feel like to be the best guitarist in the world? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not Prince. Ask him. Uh, Whoa. That's that's wild. With the, uh, with the Michael Jackson Super Bowl video or act, I also read a comment that <laughs> people said that Michael Jackson's, like the producers for that show were really pissed off because that he did that that silence was not planned for oh. and of course if you're like the soundstage people oh, who have to run a show for yeah. a set amount of time you start panicking but i mean when you're michael jackson like see, it, it does that's matter. like the most musician like you know hard ass thing yeah. you could do it's like it's so ballsy to do that uh i think like other artists i would have loved to see live i would have loved to see zeppelin live when they mm. were when they were doing things like that would have been surreal to watch that um, I, 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 there, I, there are like plenty of bands that are really good live, you yeah. know, like plenty of bands that you don't need to like all of their music to appreciate a really good concert. Mm. Right. Who's uh who, who would you see? Like anyone? Uh, I mean, there's going to be said, some overlap. I said of course, Death but. Punk, I said Rise Against. Of course I would go to Jamiroquai concert just because they're my favorite. Um, I've heard Tenacious D is super awesome live. I don't doubt it. I mean, yeah. Jack Black tends to be a very like charismatic mm. and a good good uh lead for anything yeah for me i think not only is it that if i like the songs that i'd go to see them live but it also depends largely on their performance yeah because there i've i'm sure there are a ton of artists out there that in the studio they can put out song after song but live performance they'll just fall flat yeah and for me if you can perform live at uh, at train <laughs> yeah if you can perform live equally as well or better than you do on your recorded stuff then that's yeah. when i know that you're the yeah. real deal you know 
that's important though, because like there's plenty of musicians out there who are really good recording artists, but like definitely have issues with performing. Mm-hmm. And and to be a good performer is a totally different different skill set. Yeah. You need to have presence and you need to have like a way with like groups of crowds of people, yeah. right? I think the last uh, person, not the last, but if I could tack on one more that I would like to see, if I could, um, we all know about Beatlemania, right? Or even Elvis mania where people went crazy to go see Elvis. Yeah. They like, there are wanted... videos of girls just like full on bawling their eyes out because they're like, Oh my God. The original, the, the original person of that was uh, Franz Liszt. Actually, he was right. an Austro or uh, an Austro Hungarian pianist from the mid 19th century. People went crazy for it. There's actually a condition that doctors termed for the time that was called listomania. <laughs> no, seriously. And like women would go crazy for list and like, there's all these stories of like people getting list sock or like getting all like, I don't know, a button from his shirt. So and, he was the original, I'm selling my random item on eBay yeah, for a bajillion dollars. Seriously. Like one of those, one of the first really, really, really prolific um, musical artists that people just flock to go see in the 19th century. Because I mean, if you think about it before then music was so, uh, because it was so heavily based on performance. Uh, if you didn't have like, if you didn't have a dedicated like team that publicized for you well, like, I don't know, you couldn't do very much. Mm-hmm. Mozart was super well known and he like was known as a prodigy and toured all over the, all over like Europe. But I, I don't think he, he had the same sort of, he didn't afford the same like fangirling that list got right. People like went sick over list. Yeah, they so. want they want a showman to a performer, yeah. not just a musician. And if I can add to this, there's, there's like an anecdote where the dude, he goes out and he drinks a lot one night and then he wakes up and he's still drunk the next morning, plays an entire concert and just rips everything. Nice. So if that's like any indication of like what the, a true rock star, the level of rock star that this guy was. <laughs> and then of course it's funny, like in the, later in his life, he, he went, he like became a monk or some sort of like Catholic priest Yeah. and he got really religious and did all these weird things. But otherwise I, I would love to see like what he could do and see what his music was about and see if the hype was real. Sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah. Um, there's a question that came up, at least for me, I was thinking about it when we were talking about this. Um, oh, man, you know what? I totally lost it. I thought I could just recall <laughs> you it. You want to do the favorite genres question then? Yeah, let's go to the All favorite right, genres what, question. What are, your, uh, what are your favorite genres? See, I think this question's kind of unfair because <laughs> I think music in general can uh, accompany different moods and yeah. genres have specific places in our lives that work in different ways. You know, like I think just based on my profession and just based on what I do, it have to be classical. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, classical covers like so much music, actually. Like if we, if we think about classical music as being all instrumental music, that isn't rock music or eat or pop music Electronic, yeah, yeah, or anything like that, then it really covers like upwards of 10 or 15 genres in total. But so I think that would be like, Mine, but also I, f- I feel like when I'm in certain moods, certain genres work best for me. Like when I'm feeling fun, funk music. Like yeah. I, I want to listen to funk music. Um, anything super upbeat, disco music is good for me. 80s, 80s dance music is great for me when I'm in a good, good and fun mood. Um, when I'm feeling really sentimental, old 2000s music. So like Backstreet Boys. <laughs> uh, it's different, different. I'm thinking more like All American Rejects. Oh. Um, my chemical romance, my chemical romance. Yeah, that's right. Early green day. Okay. Um, yeah, stuff like that gets me in it. Stuff like Reliant K, if you remember that. And then like, if I'm feeling really angsty, you know, it's either rap or metal, Uh like something to get me angry. 
feeling <laughs> and feeling angry about you specific punch things. someone and you just put that on you know when you feel oppressed by the man yeah you, know, you just want to put you on, throw some, on some rage against the machine that's right oh dude or some system of down um there's a uh there's a video that we should all be aware of eddie curry you know the that guy Mm-mm. eddie curry's a, a rapper he does he, he was known because there's the that one vine where it's got that uh, it's like a pomeranian in a in a piece of bread and with it, its face in a piece yeah, of bread? Yeah, yeah, and like there's a rap song that goes underneath it. Okay. Um he he's the famous like he sings that song. But he does a modern a modern rendition of um I think it's Bulls on Parade. Oh, okay. And it's really rad. I, I really appreciate it. It's like really close to the original, I think in the same like the same I guess feeling that they were trying to give. And so That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and so I think that's really cool. And then I don't know, like I'm I'm not against anything really. There's certain music that I don't like in general, but I won't discount it. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely when I drive, especially I like um, old music. Dad rock is always good for long drives. Um, oh wait, I'd like to amend another thing. I think I have to add this to my list of bands that I really like and I think are some of the best of all time. Queen. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. I, I mean, they I just totally had a movie so. about Queen. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean Queen. I've had this conversation so many times, but I think Queen is just one of the most special bands of all times. Like mm-hmm. uh, the band that could reach out and do all of these different genres and then marry them into like single albums that all have threads that go through them. Yeah. I don't know. There's something super special about that. Plus Freddie Mercury was also a hell of a performer. Dude, too, he so. was something else. I, I think he, he was like definitely some type of genius, you yeah. know, to be able to do all those things, make all that music. I mean, that's not even, let's not take away from the rest of them too. Like Brian May. Yeah. Brian May was like, he was the head of, I think, engineering for Cambridge for some like some really? span of years, like five that. or six years or something like that. Yeah, the dude's really smart. He he made all of his um he like built a guitar and played that for. That's uh, what he used as his go to. I think so. Too. Like, and he he did all of his pickups. He did all the engineering work for his guitars and all the sounds. And so, like, That's pretty cool. And so, I mean, like that band was just a, a like a group of really special guys and like dudes who knew how to write music and dudes who were okay with like doing whatever they wanted mm-hmm. yeah anyways also want to see them live but yeah so like I, I listen to like whole albums of like old dad rock or you know really like the beatles when i drive mm-hmm. yeah for me yeah favorite genres future funk like i said electro swing like i said i'm the same boat as you where it's sort of a depending on the mood type yeah. of thing usually i don't tend to listen to music if i'm just hanging around at home unless i'm doing some sort of menial task and mm-hmm. then i'll just kind of throw whatever on but if I'm driving somewhere, yeah, I'll tend to put on, depending on the location of where I'm driving. If it's so like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like seriously, if, I, if I'm going to play volleyball or something, I'll play music that gets me hyped up. Mm-hmm. If I'm going out to like a party or something, I'll play more like hood rat shit. And like, <laughs> you know, like all the, <laughs> all of our DJ music, all of our <laughs> rap and stuff. Um, Man. Sometimes, sometimes I gotta listen to like when I'm really feeling against the world. I want to listen to I, I listen to like some rap that's like really anti uh, anti anti establishment. Yeah, some, yeah. Some, sometimes like that's just really potent, and it's like when it's when it's done well, man, it gets yeah. you. I like going into alternative rock too, like older alternative rock. Yeah, Foo Fighters. Yeah, as much as people like to meme Nickelback, some of their stuff's honestly like not bad. Can't say the same thing about Creed, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, some of those. Um, that's, that's to confirm that we are actively shaming all of you who yeah. like to listen to Creed. Yeah, unironically. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing. If yeah. you if you want to do a fun experiment at home, just sing every single song that you want to with the Creed 
voice. Yeah, and I think Aaron, Aaron, uh, one of his underrated talents is being able to do a Scott Stapp impersonation yeah. really well. Yeah, you do a good Scott Stapp and then a good, um, what's the Pearl Jam impersonation too? <laughs> what was the one? I need to remember what the one song is that I always did the Pearl Jam. They did voice Even to. Flow. Yeah, but I mean, there was a specific song that I always oh, that's right, did that's right. that voice too. Hey, actually nothing. Future Aaron here. I remember the song. It was In the End by Linkin Park. Here's how it goes. I tried so hard and got so far. And doesn't even matter I had to fall to lose it all In the air And doesn't even matter You know, I'll, I have video I've later. got video of that Of me doing that? No, actually, I think it's of Peter doing oh, it nice of Peter, Yeah, we'll have to bring it up sometime yeah. Oh, I get. Can you? Would you consider? Yeah, video game music. I guess is the genre. Is a genre? On its Absolutely, own. dude. Yeah. I mean, my entire. I, I run a group where we uh, we play video game music and we record it. We'll we'll link it in the channel next time we can. But mm-hmm. um, it's it, we're called the Eight Bit Boys, and Eight it's boys. it's basically just soft like, plug. Yeah, soft plug. But essentially, um, we all came together at, over our love of video game music. You know, we all played different games. I played a lot of Pokemon, and I really like that music. Mm-hmm. We have a guy who played a lot of Zelda, and so he's arranged all the Ocarina of Time, Wind Waker, all that shit, all into, a, like, a friendly format for us to play. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty crazy. Uh, we've got, like, one of the other guys is really into old-school N64 games, old-school Mario, and so that's all been arranged. Mm-hmm. We even do, like, the Me channel. And I think, like, video game music is... And it like should be considered its own genre and its own self-sustaining genre. Because like, if you think about it in the same way that movies are super dependent on music to give atmosphere and give specific feeling and emotive qualities, it's the same thing with video games. We can't, you couldn't say that your favorite video games are the same without their iconic music, right? You know, that boss battle, that's super tense or like, um, that one's that one, you know, or even that one quest that has that driving sort of characteristic mm-hmm. is the way that it is because somebody put lots of time and energy into trying to create music that was evocative of that uh, specific feeling. Yeah. And so I think like video game music is super special because it encompasses that space and like, you know, why not call it something of its own, uh, of its own merit? Yeah. I think because it goes hand in hand with the fact that it's tied to a video game, another form of entertainment that's also partially what makes it so special. Like you said, with movies, the audio makes up half of the package. Yeah. Where with movies, we can we can roll this into this radio video game class or classical slash yeah. movie topic if you want. But with video games and movies, if the audio isn't on par in terms of quality with the video that you're watching, then yeah. like half of the magic is gone. If you watched I don't know, Jurassic Park without the theme or any of the Star Wars movies without the classical John Williams score, they would lose a lot of the oomph and the love that has been brought to those specific series. And, Um, and you know, like a good filmmaker will always want to use, will always want to use music effectively. It's always going to be like a tool, another mm -hmm. like utilized tool that we can make into a more, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a more convincing narrative. Mm. Like, so my favorite example of this is I went to see 2001, A Space Odyssey, the uh, Kubrick film. I saw it on on the 75th anniversary re-release. And is it 75? No, 50 year re-release. Sorry, way out of, um, but they did it in a theater. And I think 
uh, if anyone who knows the movie, the movie is like just, they had an original score written by a composer and then Kubrick was like, scrap this. We're just going to use like classics. And so they used like uh, a lot of music, classical music classics. They used like by, by the blue Danube by Johann Strauss. They used a lot of Richard Strauss and they used um, Georgi Ligeti, who was a, uh, a modern composer during the time, really modern. Actually, he, he was composing at the time. And, um, the, so what I didn't realize watching the movie at home for the first time was how important the music really played into that whole thing. And actually what it was even more influential is how uh, the absence of music really played into our conceptions of the, of the suspense, you know, like he, and when you're in the theater listening to like a bigger sound system and mind you, the theater I was in, like the sound system kind of sucked ass, but like it was still big enough to have this sort of oppressive quality over us. Um, when you get into those situations where the sound system is capable of showing off what the, you know, director really wanted, it really makes a huge difference. For instance, the first like three minutes of 2001, it's just a black screen and this music comes in by Ligeti and all it is, is it's a bunch of, a bunch of instruments playing notes that progressively get louder. And it's not meant to sound really pretty. It's supposed to sound like a big mass of sound. And so you're, you're watching this black screen for like three minutes and then you just get this wall of sound and eventually it just becomes so like in your ear and so oppressive that it's jarring. And that's like something that you don't get by just watching it on your computer at home, mm -hmm. you know? And so that really just for me points to the importance of sound, how sound works, the lack of sound and how it really plays into our uh, feelings and sentiments during a movie. Yeah, because without it, it, a lot of the visual aspect loses the same impact. If you watch a horror movie without the high strings or any of the anxiety buildup that those specific scores put, then the scare, the visual scare is probably not as bad. Yeah. And how iconic is, is music in horror movies? Like we all know about Psycho and yeah. the, the screeching violins from when she get like the woman gets stabbed in the, uh, in the bathtub or Jaws Spoilers. when the, when the shark is on its way up. That's on. Oh my God. Absolutely. Have you seen Jaws? The original one? Yeah. yeah. Dude. So man, I remember I watched it last summer. And Jaws especially was so interesting for me because, you know, it's it's impossible to go into Jaws without really knowing what happens, right? We all know what Jaws is about. And, big and scary shark eats lots of people exactly, on the beach. Exactly, exactly. Like that thing is like the big part of the narrative. But what I didn't realize was that when I watched it, how much the music would really play into it. It was super interesting because uh, if you remember right in the beginning, it's like, slow like lighting on on the water and they just play that super low theme and i like i remember watching it preparing myself being like oh this will be nothing i've got this and then hearing that that theme for the first time and i was like i'm scared like yeah. right off the bat i'm freaked out about this that's the earliest example i can think of of music having or music being such a huge part of the experience as a package mm -hmm. so. and i think for a lot of people in all of these genres like video games or movies there's a certain aspect that the music you know the music becomes emblematic of the of the of the movie itself right like who who doesn't think of the star wars theme when they say star wars right yeah. you know that's it's just you know almost as important as the movie if not more important than the movie or yeah. like even jaws when people say jaws probably the first connotation da, they da, get is the da, theme da, exactly exactly da, da. that or if i said super mario i guarantee you 90% of the people, da, 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 da. right? That's exactly right. And so, you know, music really plays a heavy influential part in how we consume entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and this brings me up to a different point 
with how we view music, you know, especially since like when we listen to music, a lot of people will put on music as background for a lot of things. And I'm guilty of this too. Like if I'm, you know, cleaning the house, I want music on. Mm. Or if I'm driving somewhere, I want music on. Or if like, like I'm doing something menial, I want music on. And it's interesting that we say that because we're sort of relegating music into this point where it's primarily background, right? It's it's there to fill space while we do something, not for us to listen to sometimes. And everyone's guilty of that. I think where we put it on and we're not listening. And and it's sort of a disingenuous way of going about listening to music, right? Mm-hmm. Because like music is meant to be listened to and enjoyed in this weird, abstract, ambiguous way. And and so I think when we when we think about music you know, as purely entertainment, we basically rob it of its real uh, value. And the way that we were talking about music recently with music or with movies, (laughs) music with music, music with music, there's that for the day, the music in movies and how much value it really adds and what type of like emotive connection it creates with us. I think we really have to give credit to music as being an integral part of how we you get through the regular things, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that we connect uh, music with emotive qualities in our lives and specific things. I think that's such an underrated part of music. And part of why we only like give it the status as being entertainment or escape is because like we kind of give it that all the time. Like we're only using it as escape and not as a way of like exploring different ways of perception or like in different ways of expressing complex emotions. Mm-hmm. Rather, it, it becomes an accompaniment to how we do everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's not wrong. Nothing is ever wrong in how we use music. But um, I, I think there's definitely ways that we can understand music to be a lot more in-depth and a lot more complex than just entertainment, mm-hmm. right? As you can say, certainly there are music that's written meant to be background music, and that's serving a specific purpose. But I think your point goes more to when you're listening to music that was meant for like active listening. Right. Yeah. And I mean, technically, I mean, I do it all the time where I'll just put on an album and I'll just like quote unquote, listen to it while Mm. I'm cleaning. And I'm not really listening to it. I'm like checking in and out while I'm doing something menial to fill the space in between my, like doing something. Yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah. And I think everyone does that. And that doesn't mean it's wrong. Like we're not taking any sort of weird high ground, but I think it definitely like takes away from the overall value of a musical listening by relegating it to be background. Yeah. Right. Because I don't think, I don't think music when it's created is meant to be background, right? Like mm-hmm. anything we can create, like if we made a song, um, I don't think we'd be offended by it being background. I think we'd love it that yeah. someone's listening to it, but also I think the intention is that you listen to it critically. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's, a, that's a point that's really interesting when we think about how, how music gets used because like, Music in a lot of senses is accompaniment to things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes even to that other point where even music written as background music, there's a difference in the quality based on whether it's written expressly to evoke what's happening or to accentuate what's happening in the scene or whether it's just filler, mm-hmm. right? Filler music versus like especially written music is totally different, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think there there's just like a way that we should appreciate music on a different level sometimes yeah. or even like use it in different sorts of ways for the video game example take the difference between the main theme of a the game like legend of zelda's main theme versus the background music that are used for the different levels to the artists and composers credit all of whom are incredibly talented to be able to evoke a certain feeling depending on what level you're in mm-hmm. for example 
all the underwater levels. Usually they invoke a sort of floaty feeling like Super Mario and the like it feels like you're swimming, right? Yeah. Or if you go to other video games, I don't know, let's say they have like a desert level. A lot of it sounds sort of Middle Eastern, Mm -hmm. very, very specific to that sort of area that you would find in real life because a lot of the times they take inspiration for those background musics from the actual real life applications of where the music comes from or its origins. And you're right that the music is meant to evoke a certain feeling or put you in a certain place of mind where it is much more in tune with what's going on in front of you visually. And then that's when the whole package comes together and is really the complete product that you're supposed to be experiencing. And yeah, I I always just like to bring up that point because even though a lot of, like we said, background music, literally background music that's supposed to be in the background of these certain settings, while that is there, I'm the kind of person who will go and listen to entire OSTs or original soundtracks of video games just because I'll go back and I'll think, you know, I didn't really pay that much attention to this song while I was playing the game. I kind of want to get a different appreciation for it by listening to it by itself. And a lot of the times those scores and songs that have been going in the background are excellent. They're super good. I mean, Kokiri Forest and Legend of Zelda. Oh, man. everybody loves that and a lot of the times like the first playthroughs that i did especially as a kid because your attention is drawn to the visual aspect of the game but once you can kind of get to the other side of that with the music like all that stuff is super great and i think when people think of movies and games they think of the production behind the visual production like what's going on in front of you even avengers like all the cgi and action and choreography that's going on the screen is great but that theme song, when you hear it, yeah, and all the work that's been put into making that specific song work for that setting, like it's just pretty mind blowing. Just to know that, or just to see how well those composers made that specific theme, and you're like somehow they got it to stick in your brain, and yeah, they're just incredible. And I think to another point, it really plays into how we view all aspects of you know expressive creation. So like when we're watching a movie, like every little part of the movie is important from down to the musical selections to the, like what you see on the screen, how they're paired together, what the parts of the scene look like. And I think in a musical way, that's a bit more applicable for us and for anyone listening. It's really about when you're listening to your favorite songs, or your favorite brands, or your favorite artists, like what decisions do they make that, you know, are accentuated by the music predominantly with lyricism. How does the music help the lyrics? And I think that's such an underrated quality in some, um, some musical settings nowadays and something that I really appreciate appreciate about a lot of rap artists is that when they when they write uh, a lot of it is just poetic and their music seeks to reflect the poetry in the music and I I guess like what I would leave this topic with is like a sort of challenge to like you know try and th- uh, when you're listening to music nowadays like you know maybe take a second and listen like you know even for like 10 seconds critically what's happening in the music like how like challenge yourself to figure out how well you know this part maybe like find a connection between like what's happening in the, in the lyrics and what's happening in the music and maybe see if you can draw like an emotive connection between them. Or even if you're watching a movie, if something crazy is happening, like check to see what the music's doing, see how uh, cluttered the, like uh, how cluttered the scene is. And if they're trying to make you feel anxious about all these things happening at one time, you know, there's all these little parts about it, but that's what I would leave this part of the conversation about with is like definitely 
see if we can be a little more critical about our consuming of this mm-hmm. uh, expression. You can even try it in the reverse. Try listening to the music and see if you can picture the specific scene or feeling that that music is trying to put. Cause yeah, I guarantee absolutely. you a lot of the, a lot of the scores and video game soundtracks that are out there. If you listen to them for just a little bit, you'll be like, yeah, this is a water level or yeah, this is supposed to be a horror scene. Yeah, absolutely. That's like definitely something that's super pertinent and like would, will work. Anyone who plays under uh, undertale will just know exactly how that works mm-hmm. well because of how well the score is. Toby Fox is great composer. Yeah. Also we're running into an hour right now. You want to do this as a two parter for, Double double episode. I think so. I think this is a really good like. uh, I mean, this is just a huge topic for both of us since music is just a huge part of our lives. I think so, and I think it really deserves to be like we we shouldn't cut it short because of time constraints, right? Because I'm having fun with this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a good one. It would (laughs) this would have rolled in even longer if Dan and Peter were here. Oh my god, yeah, that that would have been something else. We'll have to do like a separate Dan and Peter music. We'll we'll touch up on it again. Yeah, I mean, this. I mean, one thing that I appreciate about this group. a lot is that we're all like really musically inclined without having to be like explicit musicians. Right. And like, we all, uh, we all have such diverse interests in music and we all like to come together and we all appreciate them together. Mm-hmm. And that's like super cool. I, I think. And, and I think our appreciation of music together sort of creates great bond in yeah. a lot of situations. I mean, one of the first things that we always do whenever we hang out is like, check out this new song. That's right. Or that's like, right. how many times have I sent you videos on YouTube of channels that explore yeah. music? So Seriously. Yeah. I mean, like for, you know, just a little bit of insight into our process, like a lot of times, like we'll, we'll start hanging out at a certain time and we won't get started for like a while, maybe a couple hours just yeah. because we're like sitting on YouTube looking at new music or listening mm-hmm. to these songs that we've just figured out, you know, from from like spanning as many genres as we can think of, you yeah. know, and so, and so I guess like the appreciation of music is like not, it's not a uh, like lacking in this group and in this podcast, you know. You forgot to say bye, goodbye.